0: This is the Doctor Who podcast and you are most welcome.
1: Peter Van saved my life. Peter Venkman saved my life. Peter Venkman saved my
2: life. He saved my life. He did. Fa la 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 la. In heaven, my bells are
1: singing. Hey, stop singing the Christmas songs. He should be singing Christmas songs this time of year. It's too early. It's bad luck. Do doom doom. Do 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 do. Wonder what the weather's going to do today. Did I bring my umbrella unnecessarily? He's looking at me funny. I feel a bit self conscious. Oh, God. I've got to talk about Doctor Who later. I'll do a podcast about it. I don't know what I thought of it. I don't know what to think. I don't know what I made of it. Oh, I think I found it too confusing. Stop doing silly voices. Stop doing the silly voices nobody enjoys an inner monologue especially an exposition in a monologue is that a bird sat in a silver tree over yonder on the hill i think that bird's winking at me is this a big finnish drama or is it tv to select audio navigation press enter now now I am sorry to have subjected you to what was a fairly accurate approximation of my inner monologue on the way to work this morning. I record on the Monday, I watch Doctor Who on the Sunday. I have a little bit of time to acclimatise to what's gone on. And one of the things that struck me about this week's Doctor Who is the amount of exposition. Now exposition is something which you kind of need, but you kind of need to be skilled hiding in plain sight the reason I've noticed it more in this episode than in the previous episodes of the series is because in order to give me um, the opportunity to experience the show twice before I record what I do is I watch it on the Sunday and then I listen to it on the Monday and I listen to it on the way home from work and I've done this for for the previous two episodes and I've missed an awful lot uh, I so what I do is I get the BBC iPlayer and uh, I'll get it playing, I'll stick it in my pocket and I'll listen to it as if it's an audio drama and you miss an awful lot um, you do realise the the skill of Big Finish when you do this but with this episode I don't know what was going on but there was so much exposition there was so much exposition in a monologue that I don't feel as if I missed any of this episode whatsoever i i genuinely can't think of anything that that i missed that having seen it previously with my eyeballs that i didn't get from listening to it and surely that's that's a problem with a tv show which looks as good as dr who does now i mean it looks absolutely sumptuous it's missing something if you have to explain everything why are we stranding characters on their own for so long that, that they need to then explain what they're doing. They need to do that talking to themselves thing. The talking to themselves thing. You need some real skill as a, a writer and an actor to be able to pull off talking to yourself about what you're doing. Because that's not something that people do. People don't talk out loud to themselves about what they're doing around the house having said that out loud i do realize that i do talk about what i'm doing around the house to myself but i don't do it to myself i do it to the cats so let's have a cat as as one of the companions or a dog would you care for some
3: tea definitely i love tea
1: Or how's this for an idea? Why not have a companion in the scene asking, what's going on, Doctor? In all seriousness, though, I had been looking for indications that this series had been undertaken under COVID regulations. And I understand that there there must have been an awful raft of regulations and and, um, restrictions that they were having to uh, adhere to. And maybe... This having a single actor in one room against a CGI background saying things to themselves was one of those restrictions. So, you know, if that's the case, then there are worse things that could have happened. I just think that this particular episode really suffered because of it. Especially because this particular episode was so chuffing confusing. I struggled to follow everything. I might need to watch it again. It felt like Moffat honest man. Uh, but you know, what I mean, it, it felt like someone trying to be Moffitt when they weren't Moffitt. But then I complained when Chibnall was trying to be Russell T Davies and he wasn't Russell T Davies. I, I I don't know what Chibnall is good at, but he's not been good so far. This felt like Chibnall Doctor Who and I've not really enjoyed Chibnall Doctor Who. First two episodes felt like we were onto something this one not so much i certainly very much felt that uh, swarm was underused again we got a little glimpse of the old swarm so we have two actors presumably we have two actors so that you can have old swarm and new swarm old and new but why would you go to the trouble of having two actors paying two actors one of which is in the upcoming game of thrones prequel When you could just have the same guy and put a silly voice on. We can all do silly voices. I could have done a silly voice. Don't do the silly voice. I could have done a silly voice. Don't do the silly voice. You are doing the silly voice again and I likes it. Don't do the silly voice. We're midway through Flux and it's been a little bit confusing for me. But then I suspect that that was the idea all along. That we've been given a bit of a conundrum. Followed by something that we'll all recognise as being like a comfort episode. Um, And then maybe a bit more confusion. And then maybe a comfort episode. I don't know. My my take home from this is that I actually like the new Cybermen design. I hope they keep that. And if that's damning in faint praise, then maybe that's what I mean. <laughs> you love this doctor Who. you can't help loving the doctor Who. <laughs> do do the silly voice so that about wraps it up except to say jt shall return uh, and potentially next week he's got a bit of a cold it's some kind of virus it's not that virus obviously we've probed him and swabbed him and it's absolutely fine it's definitely not that virus it's one of the other ones that we don't really care about not that we care about the other one because that's all gone now but stay happy stay positive because that's all disappeared now so this is me and fisher saying goodbye and for the sake of humanity use the hand sanitizer on the way into the supermarket
0: Hi everybody, this is Phil and Scott here again, and uh, we're asking Scott his opinions on Once Upon Time. So what do you think of this week's episode, Scott?
4: It was pretty strange. I didn't understand it. How the Weeping Angel went into the video game and now it's gotten into Yaz's phone and it's now controlling the TARDIS. Do you
0: remember the old um, Doctor Who before, where the image of an angel itself becomes an angel... That was from uh, Forest of the or oh, oh, what it was. It's was from Series Five, Doctor. So it basically becomes an angel, even
4: though it's yeah, an it's
0: angel. an image of an angel. Itself becomes an angel. Oh. Ah. You see, but it made you jump though that bit, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> when it come out the TV, screen so like out the video games. <laughs> you play a lot of video games, don't you? Yes, but. I don't <laughs> <think> <laughs> Do you think an angel's going to go and get you now? No. <laughs> so no. what did you, what did you like about this week's one then?
4: I like I like the. The fact that they went to loads of different places and you saw like all of their pasts. Did you not find that confusing?
0: Because you didn't really know what was going on, did you? I kind
4: of, kind of understood it. Because it, you understood the fact that they were like being controlled by weird crystal people through the whole time of Mm. all the episodes. So, yeah. The
0: weird crystal people. So they did, they didn't do a lot this week, did they really? No. But you saw, but we did see, um, the Fugitive Doctor again. So what do you, what do you reckon, Scott? What, what, what do you think of The Fugitive Doctor? Do you like The Fugitive Doctor?
4: Yes, but it's strange. I don't understand the concept of who she is.
0: Well, I think she's meant to be different generated of the Doctor before William Hartnell.
4: Yes, but how does The Doctor not remember her?
0: Ah, well, they've wiped her mind. I think this is why Jodie Whittaker's Doctor is trying to find out and ask these questions about The Division from Carvanista, This is this, is, this is meant to be the, the story, isn't it? But we didn't really go into that too much this week, did it? Really, It's the, all about jumping in that time storm.
4: Basically, the whole story is she's trying to find out who she is. Yeah. I was wondering, who was that lady who said the doctor called the Flux? Who was she?
0: We don't know yet, do we? Lots of people are saying it's the White Garden. You don't know who that is, do you?
4: I think I do. It's like... A Guardian that's against the Black Guardian from the Fourth Doctor.
0: Oh, wow. Well done, Scott. <laughs> you know your Doctor Who. <laughs> well done, mate.
4: wonder who other aliens are going to appear. Because I feel like I, I don't I really want to spoil anything, but I think at, on the last episode it's going to be a giant fight between every single alien and the Doctor.
0: Do you reckon? Yes, not mm, spoiling. Who no, knows? So there was only three episodes left now, weren't there? Yes. So we don't know. That's
4: three weeks. Yes, it is <laughs> yes, three weeks, yes. isn't it?
0: So, um, don't you, do you think, because I, I thought when I saw the Cybermen, they were um, a little bit rubbish. Mm. They sort of got shot very easily, do not they?
4: Yes, they weren't very, they didn't. Although I like their new design. They haven't really changed the design. They, I think that when they die, they kind of changed the sound effect to make it sound a little bit more classic.
0: Yeah, it wasn't the, the big it? loads of, like... Metal ones. Metal, yeah, you know, lots of noise when they die. They, sort of make, they did make a lot of noise in the David Tennant side of men, didn't they? When they died, it was... Like that, So
4: ah.
0: like, Not Mr. Blobby. <laughs>
4: yeah. I don't, I don't... You don't know
0: who Mr. Blobby is, do you? I
4: think... It's like a worm thing.
0: No, it's a big... It's pink. Pink and yellow spotted blobby man thing. Yeah, anyway, enough Mr. Mr. Blobby. Jelly. Yeah. Um... What did you think of sort of like what was it the um, the was it the, the Temple of Atropos and and the Mori? Didn't know much about them, did we? Didn't find no. too much. You didn't sort of why what I, they were and why they under, do it. And. I don't
4: understand. I think I know why they changed Jodie Whittaker's um, costume coat around for the Atropos scene. It's because they wanted. I preferred the
0: coat actually. I did like the dark blue coat. It's because
4: but... they wanted to change it to look more like the Fugitive Doctors, because mm. that was her adventure, and she has a black coat. So to make it look a little bit more realistic, they had a black coat, and they mm. just turned her coat inside out.
0: Yes, yeah, all it was really wasn't it? Just yeah. reverse the colours. So, well, but, sure what do you think the the idea of um, the actors who played Dan and Yaz and Vinda sort of playing different characters? Well,
4: it was kind of weird. I mean, how does it really happen, though? Because they're in their own, because they're in their 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 own other universes. Their own time streams. And then they're they, in yeah. their time stream. So I don't understand how they could have been there.
0: I think it's just a cheap way of reusing the actors, and plus, it was done in COVID times, wasn't it? Under lockdown, so they yeah. couldn't have too many other actors involved.
4: It was it was basically like a glitch in time, because mm. it was like like the same people all over the place in each time stream, like a glitch. Yeah, it was a bit, like wasn't it?
0: So, broken. if you give this marks out of ten, what would it be this week, then?
1: Mm,
0: ten. Ten again? Really? Yes. You gave the first episode was 6.5, last week 10, and this week 10. You really enjoyed it, then, did you?
4: Yeah, I'm enjoying the series. I think oh, okay. it's one of well Jodie Whittaker's best series so far.
0: Okay, I think a lot of people are agreeing with that. But, um, but before we finish... Um, James has got a question for you Okay Okay, I'm going to read it out to you He says Hello Scott I like a lot of things I do not completely understand My wife is an example (laughs) Do you think you need to understand Doctor Who to enjoy it?
4: So Mm, what do you think of that? You don't need to understand it to enjoy it Because if you are a big fan you wouldn't like hate it. You would just write down the good parts of the episode and skip like all the bad parts you don't like. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have to understand it. You just you just need to enjoy it.
0: Basically. So is is that what you thought last? You didn't really understand last night's one, but you just enjoyed it anyway because yeah. it was just you thought it was fun. Yes. Really. And the angels made you jump. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, I hope that was a satisfactory answer there for you, James. And I think it was a. A very uncynical answer as well. If you enjoy it, you enjoy it. It doesn't matter if you understand it or not. Mm -hmm. That's a nice, healthy attitude to have. Nice one. Okay, everyone. Is that it? Nothing more to say? Nope. Nope, that's it. Okay, everybody. Um, Back to the camper van.
3: Hello listeners, Ian here to take my view on Once Upon Time. And, somewhat strangely, I've been invaded by James again. I think because he was so shell-shocked in the first review of this that he couldn't quite articulate his thoughts, (laughs) so he decided to come and shanghai some of my review to get his thoughts in.
5: Yeah, you just can't get rid of me, listeners, I'm afraid. I'm very, very sorry about that. (laughs) But, um, Ian, you you, you more or less nailed it as as to why I'm here. Um, Initially, Drew and Brent, we're on duty uh, for this episode, and I infiltrated that recording uh, just because I thought it would be good to have a little bit of a mix of, you know, US views, UK views. And the episode I ended up choosing, I was for the first time ever, I think, almost incapable of putting an opinion into words on a podcast. So my contribution, it, it was there, and my views are clear, but. I honestly had so little to say that I thought, actually, Ian's going to be recording. Let's have a chat rather than let him talk to himself this week.
3: <laughs> Always nice to talk, James. <laughs> <laughs> Once Upon Time. um, Wow. Mm. I was I was really quite... I, mean, I understand why you were stunned. I was pretty stunned myself watching this episode. I mean, when I reviewed the first story of the season, I said, wow, they threw a lot in the air there. And then when I reviewed the second episode, I was like, well, they didn't really close anything down. And in fact, when Michelle and I discussed the trailer for this episode, we are like, it looks like they'll open up more plot lines. Do we really need more plot lines? And they really opened up more plot lines. And I was just <laughs> shocked. <laughs> you know, when yeah. we had the... Op- we, 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 we did the, yeah, the... I mean, the, the hand waved away the, the, the cliffhanger. And then here's a new character. Was it Belle? Was her name? Belle? It was Belle, yeah. And I think... She was Irish.
5: Yeah. Belfast. Belfast? Is that a coincidence, Bell. Belfast? Depends on how
3: quickly she runs, really. Oh, that's very good. Very Thank you. Good. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> when, when, when the sort of caption card came up saying, you know, Bell's story, me and my family all just kind of looked at one another and went, what? Another one? <laughs> More? And then, in and fact, and 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 when we saw the trailer with the Cybermen the previous week, we were like, is there any foe? that's not going to appear this season and I think my wife said oh I bet the Daleks show up and bang there they were now okay they only did a cameo they were only there for a second but it was so there's multiple levels I think that I saw this story on Um, Mm. and I have to say I probably enjoyed this the most out of all of the episodes so far this season but and I know that was your least favourite but in a very odd way and with an awful lot of, suspension of disbelief is the wrong word, but um, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt at this point. Well,
5: I never thought you were going to say that. <laughs> I will say that much. And, and, and listeners, we, we, we hadn't exchanged texts. Well, we had, uh, but not not any discussion about what we thought about it, really, I don't think. I yeah. mean, Ian's heard the uh, podcast at the weekend, but I would have laid money that you would have said something along the lines of, what the hell was that? Um, I absolutely had no expectation that you would say you enjoyed it.
3: Well, I enjoyed it most out of this. I mean, let's just get the context right here. I'm not saying, <laughs> wow, this was a brilliant episode. It may prove, I mean, I think you have to view Flux as a whole at this point. And I agree with what Drew was saying, that I'm not going to try and re-watch this, or even necessarily try to understand a lot of this until we see the whole story, because I think at this point it's impossible. It is impossible to understand what's going on, and that's quite deliberate. So at the moment I'm saying, okay, well, this is the ride. This is the ride that I'm on. This is the roller coaster, as Drew put it. Okay, well, let's see it out. Let's see the journey out. And at the moment the individual pieces are kind of working. And there was lots of little vignettes this week. Lots and lots of little vignettes. It was almost like reading a book of short stories. And it had that same irritation I get with some short story compilations that you get into a really good story. And oh wow, I'm enjoying this Bell's story. I was really enjoying Bell's story, but then oh no, no, we're off into Liverpool seeing Dan flit around in time. Well mm, no, mm. no, we're off on the Atropos and whatever's happening there. Or we're off with the Cyber Legions. Or we're off here. Or we're off there. And I, I enjoyed each of the individual scenes. I thought all of them were well written. All of them were well acted. All of them were well delivered. But we just kept flitting from place to place to place to place. And so I mm, could never mm. get properly invested in any one storyline. And that was frustrating. But I enjoyed them for what they were as little bite-sized morsels. And I guess that and that takes me to the the next level of why I thought this is potentially very, very clever. And, you know, standard thing about how they land it. You know, we, we keep saying that. Is that... The whole point of this story was that they were lost in time. There was chaos in time. It was a, a, a time quake or something, or you know, it was total chaos. And this has come, you know, this sort of thing has come up in Doctor Who in the past. You know, think of stories like some of the Christopher H. Bidmead stuff, like Legopolis or Castrovalva. some of those stories where weird, kooky stuff's happening, TARDIS within TARDIS. And honestly, it was always a bit lame. You know, a little bit of, you know, green screen special effects and Adric looking weird. And you never really bought the idea that you were in this utterly chaotic and confusing place. And my take at the moment is that Chibnall set out to actually genuinely make the viewer feel like they're in the middle of a time storm and this chaos. Because the chaos that clearly the characters were going through, we as viewers went through as well and it was realised in the way that none of these sorts of stories have ever been realised before and I thought if you can take it at that level it's actually quite clever I think it's bold and I'll come back to that in a second Mm. but I think that I I genuinely got a sense of I'm as confused as the characters here and I think that was deliberate Hmm. no and I get you entirely I think you're absolutely spot on um the real question
5: however is do you care about what's going <laughs> on? Um, and and it's, it's, it's perfectly reasonable to enjoy, you know, an hour's worth of television that's split up into four five-minute segments that are well-acted, well-performed, and are actually quite interesting, you know, in their own right. If you don't get how they all fit together, and, I mean, until about 60% of the way through it, that's the point at which you start beginning... To realise that they're trying to give you a few answers as well as ask another bunch of questions, and I yesterday afterwards, I I just thought I don't know what's going on, and I'm never going to care what's going on, and I I just was quite pleased by the final scene that felt it felt as though we'd reached the end of the story. I hadn't understood it at all at that point. And uh, I was just pleased that it was in the past. And I think, OK, they're all together again. I kind of understand vaguely what happened. And, you know, I, we could just move forward now. I mean, th- there are some other things. I mean, I've got to ask you about the, the Fugitive Doctor's return and how clearly Joe Martin's version of the Doctor is central or at least a fundamental part of this mystery. I mean, were you surprised to see her back this early?
3: I wasn't. I mean, I forget his name now, so my sincere apologies to our listener who wrote in with the theory of bang on exactly that, that, that Michelle and I read Clive, out. Clive, I think. Well, I think it was Clive. It was, yes, you're right. Thank you for reminding me. Apologies, Clive. The, yeah, and that did, the more you looked at it, the more that seemed likely. The fact that you had the Ravagers has you know fought the Doctor before, but the Doctor doesn't remember, okay, that's going to be one of those previous lifetimes. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, yeah. You, you could kind of see that coming... Um, I mean, I spoke. I mean, I, I think the idea that, that the whole timeless child arc was going to go away, I think, was fan wishful thinking from people that yeah. didn't really want it to have happened and were just hoping they could wish it away. Well, from Brent primarily. Yeah, but he's far from alone. I think there are many, many <laughs> fans who would quite happily <laughs> snap know. their fingers and see it go away. So, I mean, my big criticism at the end of the last season, all those years ago now, was yeah. so what? You know, we've created this whole meta arc that's actually been so cleverly constructed that it doesn't interfere with established canon at all. So what? Why? What does that mean? Well, to his credit, Chibnall's done something with it. So it's now going... They've created a foe that spans across... We need a phrase for these collections of the doctor's regenerations. You know, it's not you can't say the doctor's previous lives because it's the doctor's previous life collections or I don't know. Somebody has to come up with a phraseology for it because I'm getting tied in knots trying to describe it now. Yeah. But you know, he, he's come up with a foe that spans those. So it spans the different Sort of life, lifetime groups that the doctors had, or regeneration sets, or whatever you want to call. Well, it. I,
5: I think we can call this one certainly uh, the division, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the section, because I mean clearly the, the it, it would appear I say clearly it's not clear. I think the the confrontation that you just alluded to between the doctor, uh, well Joe Martin's doctor, I think, and the ravages was her final job for the division. I think that's right, before she became Ruth, I think it was, mm-hmm. in Fugitive Village of the and then just moved forward from there. So the Doctor was part of the division. We know that. She worked for the division, and this seemed to have been the final job, and she was given the opportunity by these Moori, so these godlike creatures uh, in the time storm, to learn about these things pre the mind wipe that the Master told about at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the difficulty is, is not just trying to understand what happens on screen is trying to give yourself enough time to process it and plug it in to what actually you and I have already seen and been told, but have either forgotten about cause it was such a long time ago or had so little impact in terms of consequence as a, as an episode of doctor who we have to go back and really invest the time to try and make it all make sense. Again, I come back to that question. Do we care enough to do it? Mm. Um, I think I probably will go back to it eventually because I've been asking myself questions constantly. And I've been, in in the 24 hours since I've saw this, I've been seeing people who I follow, I've been speaking to friends who really like this, and I'm going to include you in that group now as well, Ian, because I because I really thought if if there was anyone who is going to say no no more of this, it was going to be you. I think Phil will be down on it as well, and I, I don't know yet because I've not um, I've not spoken to him. Well, don't, don't throw uh, me too hard
3: a... into that camp just yet. I mean, I'm kind <laughs> of in the jury's out. You know, I'm willing to yeah. wait. I'm willing to see how they land it. How, did they stick the landing? as I said right back in after the, fir- the first one, if they can stick the landing properly, if they can tie all this together, if they can make all the jigsaw pieces fit, it could be a very clever and very satisfying story. And indeed, it might even hmm. give some closure to the last season of Who with all the open threads about the Division and the Timeless Child and all that stuff and actually make it all mean something. So maybe, maybe there's a long game going on here. Um, part of me, I mean, and, you know, this is part of modern storytelling If you think of shows like Game of Thrones, which had many, many Mm. threads running randomly in parallel and new characters appearing and new storylines appearing that initially appeared to make no sense at all and have nothing to do with their shows. Like, why am I seeing this person? Why is this over here? Why are we now in this completely different continent? And eventually they brought it all together and they made it work. And so I don't think it's impossible to tell this sort of story in the modern era. Lots of people are doing it. I do think they're doing it very, very fast. You know, there's as many plot lines in six episodes of this as we had in six seasons of Game of Thrones. And, I, and I'm and i not sure there's enough space for it to breathe properly.
5: I, I agree. Uh, I, I do agree. And I think also there's always a the mistake, I think, um, filmmakers or people involved in Doctor Who now make regularly. And that's, well... Another franchise does it, so why can't we? And, and and Doctor Who is different, and it's it's you know there's a kind of conflict here. Um, you you've got on one side, and this is this is the view I've heard largely from the other side of the pond. Actually, is that look you know come on, Doctor Who's been old in terms of the, or old fashioned in the way that it's made television for many many years. Actually, you look at all of the American series, and you know you try and drop into you know uh, halfway through a series of almost anything else and it's impossible and yet you've still got people who say like after yesterday's episode it was impenetrable no one's ever going to understand it unless you've you know watched since episode one I I think Doctor Who is a different fish and I don't think you can apply the same parameters and rules that you apply to almost any other long series. So you look at something like Heroes that really played with this format initially over like a good few few series. You know, there, there are comparisons to the way Doctor Who is told, but there's no way, there's no way in which you could seriously pick up Doctor Who and reform it and reshape it into what even even when Heroes went out for the very first time was very, very modern television, it wouldn't have worked. Mm. And, and therefore I think this is probably the best attempt you've got by Chibnall to do something different. And it is undeniably different. But the question is is, is, is it different enough in a good way?
3: And I think certainly in this country, at least historically, maybe things are changing, the audience is different for Who than for many of those other shows. You know, most yeah, genre yeah, yeah. sci-fi is watched by genre sci-fi fans who seek it out and watch it, and I classify myself in that. If it's got robots and spaceships in it, I'll give it a try. Whereas <laughs> Doctor Who is watched by the general public You know, it is something Mm. that the population as a whole, at least historically, watched, including people who would never classify themselves as sci-fi fans or genre fans. They're just people who watch, you know, Saturday Night TV. uh, And that kind of... to my mind, the big part of the audience historically was always that general... You know, my parents watched Doctor Who. I don't watch anything else that I watch. You know, you don't catch them watching, you know, um, yeah, yeah. The Expanse or Battlestar Galactica or Babylon 5 or any of this kind of stuff. But they've always watched Doctor Who because it's just, you know, it's an institution in the UK. Now maybe it's not maybe in these days of streaming it's not quite the same anymore. I think that you know I my parents haven't actually watched the the Jodie Whittaker era at all, but they did watch the previous ones and they would be totally lost by this. Completely and utterly lost. They would not connect with it in any way at all. And I almost think we've gone from the sublime to the ridiculous because I think it can fairly be said that, yes, modern TV, you should have more three lines. And I love three lines. You know, Ever since I saw Babylon 5 on original broadcast, I've loved big archie shows. I love seeing that stuff in my TV. So I'm not going to crib about Doctor Who getting some of it. But we have gone hard to the other end of the dial with this, where... You know, you and I are fairly sophisticated science fiction fans you have watched a lot of complex, hard sci-fi stuff over the years. You know, I've seen many a complex, timey-wimey story in Doctor Who and in many other fandoms. Um, And I'm struggling hard to follow this. This is one of the most Mm. complex and difficult-to-follow stories I've ever seen. But I'll stick with it Mm. because I enjoy this sort of stuff and so I'm willing to give it its time. I can't remember the references back two years ago to the last season, and some of that's (laughs) needed now. If you and I are having this hard a time, what on earth is the casual viewer? They're Then they're, they're just going to give up. And I and I do worry the viewing figures are going to be terrible. Oh, I I agree. I'm I'm
5: not interested in that. I have to say, and you know, I'm quite callous where it comes to my own little uh, fandoms. I don't care what other people think of of, of Doctor <laughs> Who, um, and I don't really care if the not we don't get it. But I I think it's it's worth having that conversation this time because this is so different yeah. and it is so impenetrable and uh, it's it's um it's it's the most different doctor who i mean even warrior's gate and ghost light and you know those kind of things i remember at the time people thinking what has happened to this show i mean this is a bigger departure from regular format they're a walk in the park compared to this uh, the walk in the park is skipping, <laughs> hopping, jumping. I'm going to watch Warrior's Gate now just because it's so straightforward <laughs> and easy to understand. Anyway, let, let's, let's get back to your opinion of, the, of this particular episode. There is something that I wanted to ask you because I didn't get a chance to discuss it at length uh, with Drew and Brent. Um, but the character who I believe, and I'll probably say this wrong, and I don't think the name was ever mentioned on screen, that I'm interested by is Orsock or Arsock. Um, Now Ian's raising an eyebrow (laughs) Listeners, you can't see him but I can That's Barbara Flint's character
3: At the end Someone from The Division I assume But I have no idea
5: Well, someone from The Division A future version of The Doctor The Doctor's mother from um, End of Time Um, There's been all manner of uh, Discussions and speculation And she's clearly very At ease in The Doctor's Company and for once, she knows a heck of a lot more than the Doctor. And and Barbara Flynn, um, you know, is, is an icon anyway. Um, not that I could rattle off that many things that she's been in. I think she was in Open All
3: Hours and... Um as you said oh, to, on the the last podcast, she's one of those faces that just turns up on things. Turns
5: up everywhere. She was, with Robbie Coltrane as well. With um, was it Smacking? Smack? No, Cracker. 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 That was it. Yes, I remember her being in that
3: too. But yeah, did she not have an impact on you then particularly or that scene? Not hugely. I mean, I was half expecting to put on an eye patch and close a hatch, you know, because <laughs> I, I, I I got over you know notes of that that plot yeah. line. But no, I mean. That there was so much thrown at I mean they really fire hosed the stuff at us in this episode even more than the first one and I didn't think that was mm. possible and by the time I got to that like you said I was fairly shell shocked I, I, had, I had disconnected the part of my brain that likes to try and follow the through line of the plot because there obviously yeah. wasn't yeah, one yeah. you know it, it's a little bit like Pulp Fiction you're seeing these things all out of sequence and it's only at the end suddenly the, 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 you know, the penny drops and goes ah oh, ok it all fits nah. together like that ok I get it now and I think this is that's exactly how this is going to be. Well, I really hope so. Is when we get to episode six. Yeah, agreed. That's where the real make or break will be. If Chibnall really knocks it out of the park and it's something incredibly clever and you get that same buzz mm, mm. that you got at the end of Pulp Fiction when all the pieces suddenly went clicking, you went, wow, I, I love that and I want to see it again now. If he manages that, this is going to be possibly the best series of Doctor Who we've had in years. If he fluffs it, and I do worry he's going to fluff it, then it's just going to end up being a confused mess. And, you know, we, 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 we lauded the, the cliffhanger last week with, you know, Swarm and the Snap, that modern icon, the Thanos Snap. And I, I actually thought the resolution to the cliffhanger was, was a bit rubbish. You know, the, 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 the Doctor clicks her heels and disappears off into some bad CGI, mm. and okay, that, that's the answer to that then. And it, it was just hand-waved. It was that classic, Then Moffat used to do this a lot, create a massively tense um, cliffhanger... And then it's literally hand it where the beginning of the episode. is oh, I can't even bother to pay attention to that now. Quick on to the next thing. That's, that's something that's happened a lot in recent years, is that the cliffhangers and the build-up has never been paid off. If that happens in this series, then it's going to be truly atrocious. You're right. It's going to be very difficult. I
5: suspect, especially given Chibnall's record so far... He will actually deliver certain parts, but either ignore or fluff, as you put it, others. So I think it's going to be potentially a fairly mediocre resolution that will check some boxes and not others. And I'm not sure whether I prefer a mediocre solution to either a a fantastic one or something that is absolutely atrocious. You know, I'd rather be definitive about it. I I
3: guess the question is whether he is... Because obviously he's been setting this up since the previous series... Is he planning to land it in episode six of Flux? Or is that just a springboard... For the special well, specials question. and you know is the is the actual plan to land it at the regeneration episode, which I yeah I, and I can see the desire that but the trouble is there's such long periods of time involved in this. We're already struggling that we can't remember the last series and we need it for this series. If we then have to wait and go through a bunch of specials again, I I, I don't think you can tell this complex of story in these little bursts like this.
5: No, I I agree. Um, and from what I understand is um is, is going to happen. I mean, if, if you put together about three different news stories that broke months ago, Um, you know, perhaps a couple of weeks apart sometimes. Uh, One week we got something like, oh, there's going to be a new series of Doctor Who and it's going to be ten episodes. Then it was nine, and then at one point it was six, and then it was eight. So it all depends on whether or not they had the same number of stories in mind. They just didn't know when they were going to transmit them. So if the... I think the original story was eight episodes. So if eight episodes is accurate then, you know, that that does basically bode reasonably well, I think, because you've got got the six episodes for Flux, then you've got potentially two specials that will have something relevant to do it, and then a standalone story. Uh, And again, it's been reported that the final story was commissioned later. And if that's the case, that features the 13th Doctor's demise then perhaps that won't have anything to do with flux. That'll be post-flux.
3: You know, We'll, we'll just have to, to see. Flux needs a landing point. E- even if you leave hooks yeah. open and you bounce off again this series has got to land. We can't just leave the whole thing unresolved. I mean, I won't tolerate it, never mind the casual viewers. No one will tolerate it. But it will land or it will crash. Yeah, we'll see. So, I mean, we've got the Angels coming back next week. I have to say, actually, now I look back on it, I actually almost resent the Sontaran story last week of we've got this big, complex, weavy story, (laughs) but we're going to just take a, a quick, you know, siding to see some Sontarans beat up some British soldiers in the Crimea, which just seems... Why are, we, why are we paying attention to this when there's this big story and I do worry that next week's story with the angels is going to be another you almost get the feeling that the BBC said look you can't just do all this timey-wimey stuff you've got to put a few normal stories in the middle because actually now I look back and it War of the Centaurians almost feels out of place and I worry that next week's will be the same but we'll see I'm do. i I'm fascinated by Drew's idea that the angels are actually going to turn out to be on the good side this time. That's on my list. That's on my list, Drew's theory. And I think he's right. Uh, I meant to tell him that, actually. Yeah. I'm fascinated by that idea, and I'd love mm. to see that. Maybe that. Will, so maybe next week will be... But from the trailer, it didn't really look mm. like it, did it?
5: Um, no. And, and again, just in case, listeners, this is your first Doctor Who podcast, uh, Drew's theory was that the weeping angels are actually on the Doctor's side in Flux, and they're there to assist her going back in time or being at the right place in space and time um, and of course we know, we know the flux um, is, is just one of two attempts to fix this problem that we know is associated with the Doctor and the flux is spatial and the Ravagers are temporal and again that was something that was mentioned in this episode as well so whatever it is that it needs to be stopped presumably by Orsock or uh, Barbara Flynn's character um, and caused by the doctor is is taking or the mori or the mori Ma- or the Maury? yeah, yeah. Well, the, the Maori are there to facilitate the doctor knowing things that she needs to know, but doesn't because of the mind wipe, but doesn't want her to find out too much. So it, it I, I got feelings like, um, you know, gods of Ragnarok or some kind of, uh, you know, pan-dimensional being, black and white guardian. Yeah, I've heard that one as well, actually. Yeah, but it's 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 funny because I record these things, obviously, directly after broadcast and I don't do any research at all. And that was, that was never been more apparent than yesterday. Whereas today, you know, I've spent a lot of time just trying to, you know, read what other people have said. And we've had loads of messages on our Twitter account this time as well, uh, just coming up with theories and points. And it's made me think a little more and... Um, which is why I would never just want to do a flashcast, you know, straight after um, uh, the episode is aired, and then not be able to bring you some more considered thoughts and opinions, even if it's not mine. But uh, but my opinion on this is has developed inside of twenty four hours. I've still not watched it again. I've still not watched it again, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to just yet because I'll end up probably coming back and saying, no, I did watch it again, and I was wrong. It's not intriguing. It's all a load of guff, uh, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we, shall, we shall have to see. But, uh, but Ian, it's, it's been really good to, uh, to catch up with you and, uh, and talk about this episode. Thanks, James. Speak again soon. That was the Doctor Who podcast which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Take care.
2: When the moon hits your eye Like a big pizza pie That's amore When the world seems to shine Like you've had too much wine That's amore Bells will ring a ling a ling tingle ling a ling And you'll sing the bell hearts who play tippy-tippy-tay tippy-tippy-tay like a guitar and when the stars make you drool just like a pastefas at some more. when you dance down the street with a cloud at your feet you're in love That's amore. Bells will ring. ting a ling a ling Ding-a-ling-a-ling. And you'll sing Vita Bella. Vita Belle, Vita Bella. Hearts will play. Tipi-tipi-tay, tipi-tipi-tay. Like a gay tarantella. Lucky fella. When the stars make you drool, just like pasta flour some more amore. You dance down the street With the cloud at your feet You're in love When you walk in a dream But you know you're not dreaming, senor I just see back in old
5: Napoli that's a moray? A moray, that's a more Tick, tick. The landing. Tick the landing.